My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. So this week, we're talking about recovery from an eating disorder is not a linear process. And what I mean by that is it it takes many layers of learning that unfold uniquely, slowly, spontaneously, independently with a lot of work and sometimes with no work at all, but it takes what it takes. This is like a radical acceptance is that it will take as long as it takes. And sometimes we feel like we're way, way better, and then we're back in it. And we have to remember that we're just in different stages, different layers of learning. So one of the models I use is a spiral where you step on the path of recovery and you go around a little spiral and you're doing okay with learning how to feed yourself and love the body that you have and take care of your feelings. And then you hit a stressor and it feels like you're all the way back at the beginning, but you're not. You're still working yourself around that spiral. So maybe you're in the food or in the whole obsession for maybe two weeks, but not a year anymore, or an afternoon, or maybe you ate a whole jar of cookies, but not all the cookies in the world. And you just work yourself around that little spiral. And the other model we use is like the mountain is that we just sort of go up this top of the mountain and sometimes we take a wrong turn and we're in a forest that we can't see through and we can't, don't know where we're going. We just come back to the path of how do I take care of myself? What's going on with me? How can I love myself unconditionally? How can I have compassion for myself that I just got lost in a forest? And you just keep moving forward. Now, the part at the very top is this um, place that we call the most difficult place. That you had the feelings and you have the behavior and you don't know what to do. You know the behavior is not going to help, but you don't know what else to do. So you're stuck at that top. And the only way through it is to go over, is to do it, is to just say, I'm going to stay with myself. I'm going to go through this and I'm going to learn how to love myself unconditionally. I'm going to learn how to eat intuitively. I'm going to learn how to take care of my body. I'm going to learn how to have my feelings. So that top of the mountain, it can be very frustrating and it can feel like you're never going to get better, but you are. Every time you get to that place where you have the feelings and you have the behavior, is another chance for you to work yourself through them. So the other thing I want to just say about this issue of uh, really remembering that this is not a linear process, that this isn't a diet. So a diet, you kind of decide, okay, I've got to get this weight off. So I'm going to go on a, on a diet. I'm going to eat this way. And then in six weeks, I'm going to come off the diet and I'm going to be another weight and then I'll be happy and everything will be great. And this is not that. This isn't anything like that. That's a diet. This is not a diet. This doesn't have anything to do with a diet. And that actually through this process, 
Some people might stay exactly the same as when they started their recovery. Some people might gain weight and some people might lose weight, but you won't reach your natural weight until you're through and your body can adjust and you don't really even care about your weight anymore. What you're so sort of in your consciousness of loving yourself and being okay with your food and taking care of yourself, that that's not the important part anymore. It's hard to believe, I know, for some people that that would be happening, but it does happen. So my guest today is Margaret, and um, I've known her for a long time, and I'm so happy that she's here talking about this issue with me today. And I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Margaret. Um, yeah, I met you, Loralee, when I was a senior in high school. Oh, no. <laughs> um, she looks exactly the same. Yeah, I look like a high schooler still. <laughs> I like in my new job, I work with high schoolers and I've gotten stopped by security guards at high schools because they like don't want to let me leave because they think I'm a high schooler. Just like, no, I'm here for a meeting. Um, yeah, so I, um, I had an eating disorder and um, – uh, it started when I like thoughts definitely started probably around 11 behavior started, I don't know, in like seventh grade, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, by the time I was in high school, I was in treatment and I was kind of in and out of treatment, but my insurance was really, really shitty. So I never got the appropriate treatment ever. Um, and then when I found you guys, it was, um, really sort of like this important fork in the road for me because um, I'd sort of lost everything and uh, I was I had two choices and it was either you know get better or um, go down the same road of being sick exactly and exactly um, there was just like I, I knew exactly what was going to happen right. um, but I just didn't really have the resources to get better right. so I had to make them for myself um, and now looking back, I'm I'm like pretty impressed at like little me. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, I can't believe I like did that. Um, but I found you guys. Um, and then I read Jenny Schaefer's book, Life Without Ed, and that was um kind of universal for me because um it just gave me skills and like a new way of thinking that I'd never yep. had before. Right. Um that it wasn't you, it was an eating disorder. Yeah, and there yeah. was there was like a like I I could um talk to my eating disorder and be like, "Oh, that's not me." Okay, like right. let me let me figure this out. Um mm -hmm. and then I got a mentor, but yeah, I mean, it was really beyond hunger <laughs> that like like really helped me get better. Um we had such a strong group of peer educators at that we time. Did. We really did. It was so magical. Um because yeah, like we met every other week um and we were talking about pure ed stuff but yeah. it was and life of, yeah it was like our own mini support group exactly. but I think the the major difference though was everybody who was a peer educator wanted to get better that's right and I'd never been in a group of people who wanted to get better right um but and the magic was we also were struggling but right. that was okay <laughs> well and you wanted to get better and you were going into schools talking about getting better. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that was huge. Just reinforced it over and over again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm getting better. And 
you t- you can too. Yeah. Or you don't even have to go down this road. Yeah. Yeah, because that was the first time I was like, okay, well, I can't go into the school and be like, you know, talking about recovery and like purging and not eating. Um, For me, just having um, that integrity was like really, really important to me. Um, Because there was that one time, it was when um, uh, you guys were filming with, um, America the Beautiful. Oh, right. Um, Daryl, oh, right. like, came yeah. into one of our presentations. Yes. And I remember that was, like, the first time in, like, months that, like, I wasn't doing well. And I went home and I was just bawling because I was like, I can't believe I just did that. Like, I'm not doing well. Um, which is okay also. Right, you know, we all struggle. But, um, yeah, that I mean, it just, to me, that, like, you know, showed that, like, how important Beyond Hunger was to my recovery. Yeah. Um, and how you go, were able to let go, I'm hoping, of that perfectionistic part of you that said, I can still recover and still struggle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so many moments in my recovery where I had to do that. Yeah, 100 <laughs> I mean, million so, times. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because, um, yeah, being an advocate has definitely been one of um, the most helpful things in my recovery. However, I, I think – at certain points it wasn't helpful because of my perfectionistic tendencies. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would never take back anything because without it, I don't know where I would have been. Exactly. Um, But um, I I do think there were um, certain times where, especially I think a bit as I got older, where it's almost kind of like, I feel like this word is too strong, but I can't think of anything else like a martyr role. Mm-hmm. But like I just – I wouldn't – I felt like I had to be um, a certain kind of role model so I wouldn't allow myself to tell people if I was struggling. Yeah, you um, couldn't have all your feelings. Yeah. You could only have the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which and, dev- doesn't, of course, ever work. No, it doesn't. Right. Um and I don't, I don't think a lot of people talk about that. <laughs> they do not talk about that. They don't. Yeah. You know, like, why am I, maybe I'm not struggling with food or weight, but I'm struggling with money or relationships mm-hmm. or time management or whatever. Yeah. And here I'm supposed to be this role model for people and have it all together. And I don't have anything together. Yeah. Yeah. We're just another slob on the bus going home. I mean, that you know, really, that's all we all are anyways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have to drop that perfectionistic attitude about ourselves. Yeah. Well, and I think it's it's so cultural, too. You know, like we put people on pedestals. That's right. Um, like, you know, when Michelle Obama's book came out, Becoming, you know, it, it went to number one and everybody's super obsessed with it. And I remember texting with my friend. I'm like, oh, I just finished the audiobook. Like, it was amazing. Right. Um, and she just said, oh, I'm glad you liked it. I haven't read it yet because I, I'm just worried that um, right now she's – everybody thinks she's super amazing. But, you know, maybe a couple months down the line they're they're going to start tearing her apart because they put yeah. her on this pedestal. Yeah. Well, that's what we do in this culture. Yeah. I like – adore people and then we knock them off the pedestal so we could kick them down the street yeah well and it doesn't allow for a person to be human and have gray area um and i often relate a lot of things in recovery and in life to harry potter (laughs) because it's just harry potter's chock full of life metaphors yeah um but one of my favorite characters in harry potter is dumbledore and i feel like dumbledore is a really good example of um a full character um 
with gray area because you spend pretty much the whole book series thinking Dumbledore is this super wise figure who knows everything and can save the world essentially. And then um, in the last two books, well, the last book really, you find out about Dumbledore's past and how um, he has done some bad things in the past. So the curtain is pulled back. Yeah. Right. But, like, it doesn't take back the fact that Dumbledore is... That he's great. Yeah. 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 Like, he may be... What is he? Is he a... What kind of... Char- I mean, he's a... He is, he's not human, right? He's a... No, he... Well, actually, this something? is something I've never figured out. He is human. However, he's, li- he's like, really old. But so, in everybody in Harry Potter, they, they're like normal humans that die at normal age. So I don't understand why Dumbledore is so old. So, well, the point is, is that I was going to say, and we're all human, whether we're in a hot Harry Potter book or not. But yeah. I don't know that's really true. But <laughs> it's sort of like he gets to be human, too. He gets to have the shadow side, too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of like coming back to this is that if we think that because we got this recovery, then we should be all that, you know, we should be done. Mm -hmm. But that's not the way this recovery works. It can work like that with alcohol and drugs. I never have to have another drink as long as I live, Mm -hmm. but I have to learn how to eat and I have to learn how to deal with my body. Yeah. So we have to learn how to do that. And part of the recovery of an eating disorder, I feel is what they would call relapse and I don't mm-hmm. even know if I would call it relapse I would just call, call it like lapse yeah <laughs> well know? actually that's like the term that I use oh. because well to me I mean everybody has their own definition for everything so yeah. um but to me I guess my definition definition of a relapse is like when I would have to go back to treatment right <laughs> um but a lapse is like yeah I lapsed but I got myself out of it. Yes, of course. That's the spiral. Yeah. Oh, I hit a stressor. I went back to behaviors and I worked myself out of it. Yeah. You know, we're not, this isn't a perfection thing. We can't do perfection. We yeah. just can't. Especially with food in our bodies. Our bodies change all the time. Yeah. And yeah. so does our food. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So tell me what, um, what happens, do you think, when somebody, say, like, is recovered or feels like she's recovered and then she lapses back? And how does she work herself out of that or he work himself out of that to be okay enough that they're just going to continue on? Like, not just sort of go to that, to that path of, oh, all is lost and I might yeah. as well just kill myself or whatever. For or sure, just yeah. not even do this. Like, yeah. I've had people say, well, this kind of stuff – I could never heal from an eating disorder because I can never, ever eat a certain food. But that's not really true. You can. Yeah. It might not work for you very well, but it doesn't mean that you can't have it. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I feel like I just went through this. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I just um, – I. I feel like I am going, I'm always going through an interesting time in life. When is life not interesting? <laughs> really? But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I'm super solid in recovery. Um, but like, I've never called myself fully recovered just because I don't feel like I'm at that point. I don't know what my definition really that is That is the point, I think, is to find out what your definition is. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's something that like I have been like recently looking at because mm-hmm. like, okay, well, like then really what is my definition? But um I just had a lot of life changes. I um yeah. I started a new job, I moved. Um, And I thought I was really good at transitions, but they're always hard. Um, And I – I've always been like a semi-anxious person, of course. But um, when I moved, I experienced a level of anxiety that like I've never experienced before. This last time when you moved? Yeah. So this like fall. Uh um, And that really messed with my appetite. And that's something I've never experienced before. Mm -hmm. So – I, ha- I had a lapse, and it was the first lapse I'd had in a really long time. And um, it started off just like I didn't mean for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but because my brain is wired a certain way, um, and especially like one thing I realized with working with my dietitian, if I get under a, a certain number, like it's like done for me almost well not done but yeah bing 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 yeah and um and so I went I went to a dark place and I was like oh my god like I I've been out of treatment for like almost five years now like what the fuck is happening like this this is not okay and I went into like a shame spiral right um and I mean it, it wasn't it wasn't a very long lapse it was you know I got myself out of it mm-hmm. um but there was so much shame attached. Of and course. so I kind of had to like deal with that, but really learn a lot. Um, and I think what I, what I keep coming back to and what I realized throughout my recovery and like any lapse I had was a lot of time, yeah, a lot of times lapses happened because I was learning. Yes, I know. <laughs> like, exactly. Um, you know, it, it's, they're like little tests. Yeah. And then sometimes we make an A and sometimes a C or sometimes, well, that test didn't go very well. Yeah. It's And it's so, okay. like, I haven't had a life transition that big in quite a long time. No, you, no, you haven't. Like, not really since college, kind of, um, when I made such a, not a huge move, but moved down to Southern California. Um, and, yeah, I mean, starting, I call it a big kid job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, starting my big kid job and like moving. Um, I think it's bigger than I wanted to like admit to myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just I it was just like a big learning right thing and um and that's okay. <laughs> so how does it feel to you or how, to anyone that has some recovery under their belt? You know, and then like has to go, well, I'm struggling. How do I get support? And then admit that, you know, like just be faced with that sort of like that top of the mountain place. Yeah, I mean, I think as you do recovery or like the longer you're in recovery, that top of the mountain is always hard. But you I think you know more and more that, like, you just have to do it. Right. And it will be so much better once you do. Right. And I like the word Charlotte Castle uses in her books, um, uncovery. Because that's what I feel like it is. It's not re. It's un. Because I'm just on a different level now. Yeah. Isn't this interesting? I've never been this age before. And the tsunami of aging is, uh, like, incredible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I didn't see this one coming. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it just caught me by surprise of how big the aging thing is. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, ha- I'm in uncovery about it. Yeah. Isn't this weird? Isn't yeah. this interesting? <laughs> Isn't this? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. You know, different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I have found in recovery is it is, it's totally layers. Um, like I have a best friend, Sylvie, who was pretty much in treatment with me at the same time. Um, and she's really one of the few friends that I've kept from treatment and especially like one of the only ones who has been on a very similar path as me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we we were talking about how like, oh, yeah, like both of us were kind of having a hard time at the same time and we're like this fucking sucks <laughs> like yeah. what is this like I thought like you know I, I just remember like when we were out of treatment and we were like oh that's the end and it's like oh man when you leave treatment like that's just the beginning I know um and um yeah you know I think both of us thought like oh five years down the line like life would be great um right. but it's just like we realized she actually has a labyrinth tattoo. <laughs> and so she's wow. like super into the labyrinth um, metaphor. And she's just like, just yeah. Walk like, in that labyrinth, mm-hmm. walking that labyrinth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think um, um, ever since I've been out of treatment, I, um, they, like just a f- maybe six months after leaving treatment, I started, I worked in Switzerland for a summer and I've returned every summer since. And it's been cool to, um, be able to use my Switzerland summers to sort of mark um, differences in, in my life and recovery. Because right. while I was doing super great my first summer, you know, I can look back and be like, wow, a lot of stuff has changed because um, like as staff, we do uh, wine and cheese nights every Friday, which is really nice. But, um, you know, I still had rules around that and I totally freaked out. I was just like, what? Like, I already ate dinner and like this is like nine o'clock at night and I can't eat this. I mean, I did, but there's so much anxiety around it. <laughs> right. Um, and then, you know, every summer after that, like wine and cheese was my favorite. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and then it was just so funny because when I was in treatment, I was so there was just there was a lot of Italian food and I was like no to Italian food. Right. <laughs> like that was my big no no. Yeah. Right. And so um that was one thing I had to work on a lot in treatment. And then it was just super ironic that um, you know, I started working in the Italian region of Switzerland and like had to eat Italian food every of day. Course. <laughs> um but then my my second year going back to Switzerland beforehand, I um I did this program called Woof, which is worldwide organic opportunities for organic farming Mm -hmm. and you live and eat for free on a farm in return for farming Mm -hmm. um so i did that in italy for almost three weeks um wow so great yeah i mean it was just amazing i was like whoa look at like i'm literally like farming i'm like taking this food and um i would make i would prepare meals um with the woman who owned the place um for the guests and so we made like uh ravioli handmade ravioli um and then we i would make homemade bread every day like all of this homemade food and uh yeah and then be okay with eating it yeah but i think what was even cool i just i cried a lot i cry a lot in the summers when i'm in switzerland because i'm so happy (laughs) 
I'm like, <laughs> this is so beautiful. Like, I, I can't believe, like, I'm so happy and I'm, like, so okay with food. And, um, I mean, you know, because you, you travel to Europe a lot. Yeah. I think that one of the coolest things about Europe is um, – how free European women are with their bodies. They don't give a shit, really. Not at all. Like, right. there's, like, 80-year-old grandmas in bikinis. I know. <laughs> and or I just it. the bottoms. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or none. No bottom, no top. <laughs> I know. It's so true. And uh, I think what you're describing, too, is that for a lot of us that have had a lot of food rules, even when we give those up, we don't realize that we're on a secret diet, so secret we don't even tell ourselves. Oh, for sure. And so the secret diet might be, I yeah. don't eat bread and cheese after nine o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and no, then I, you come right up to it. And yeah. Go, oh, I, I'm going to eat it anyways. Yeah. And I'm going to just feel this and go through it and be okay with it. Yeah. Because I think um, for me with my eating disorder, I never, I didn't think I had food rules. <laughs> like I was so hardcore, thought I didn't have Very food small. Very deep inside. Yeah, because when I went to treatment, you know, that's part of, like, the intake. And I was just like, no. (laughs) And, like, man, it was just, like, a solid eight months of, like, uncovering it. And me, like, I don't know. Nothing is more painful, but it it felt more painful to me because it it would be so unexpected when it would come up. And I would just start crying because I would be like – I didn't even know this was an issue. Right. Like, Where did this come from? Yeah. Right. I, yeah. When did I start thinking this? Or mm-hmm. when did I make this decision? Or Yeah. Yeah. And then you just follow that thread back to, oh, I made that decision because of this. Yeah. But it doesn't really work for me to have that anymore. Yeah. Wow. So good. So I know that you've worked with a lot of kids, starting with Beyond Hunger when you were at Pure Ed, but also since then. And if there's like a young girl out there that's 11 and is struggling with this issue, what kind of hope would you give to her that from your perspective now that you're this age and you can look back, like what would what would have helped you to know? if you had known that, that you feel like you can actually tell her? I think one of the biggest things is like validating whatever that person is going through. I think that's the biggest thing because it's just like, yes, there's the food and body image stuff, but I mean, you say this all the time. It's not about food and weight. (laughs) Right. Never, ever. Not even one time. So it's about all the other stuff and having that little person feel heard and validated and being present with them right that's I think the biggest thing because everything else is kind of extra I think um because the extra things I'm thinking about like now that I'm older and I've done so many recovery related things it's not very um crazy to me anymore but I do remember when I started with Beyond Hunger I really wasn't educated about photoshop or anything and i think maybe this this generation is different though because it is so mainstream now Mm -hmm. um but i know that was helpful for me when i was younger i don't that's not like the main thing that like a little person would need to know about but um there's certain there's like the other educational stuff you know that's helpful yeah 
But I think one of the things that you're bringing up is that for her to, or him, to remember that there are people who will listen to them. Yeah. They may not be in their household, yeah. but they can they can start talking to other people and to come out with it. This yeah. is what I'm struggling with. And, and then I think that thing about Photoshop, because I still go into schools to this day, this many years later, and I'll show a Photoshop of a girl made up at the end and she's not, doesn't even look like herself yeah. anymore. And they've made her neck longer and her legs longer and her, you know, they've changed her bone structure and her face. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they re really realize that until we see it. And yeah. A lot of times yeah. They somebody seen has it. to teach you at some point. Yes. Um, but sometimes even because now that I work with high school students and the, and they're like advocates for mental health, sometimes I'm even surprised when they do things that are against what they're advocating for. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I like, know. We had a girl send in her headshot and she used this app Facetune. Oh, wow. Like, uh huh. Oh, like it made me really sad. Right. I was like, you're totally fine the way you are. Right. Right. Um, Right, or the the girls that are taking a picture of a of them in Snapchat where they they look like a bunny, yeah. and they take it to their doctor and go, "I want to look like this," and the doctor says, "Yeah, but you're not a bunny." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I'm you're really wondering what like these filters are like happening because yeah. I mean, even it's even a new phenomenon for me because Instagram wasn't a thing until I was in college, and at least. You know, I, as a 21-year-old, I had more awareness about things. Well, when you <laughs> knew that you weren't going to look like a bunny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or a kitty or rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so grateful to you for coming and talking about this issue. And just, you know, do you have any last-minute thing you want to say? Do you, do you feel like you said everything that you want to say? Um. Yeah. I mean, it's just like... I think I continue to really learn that recovery is not a linear process. It's like <laughs> a, an ever-growing lesson. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, because even if it's not food-related, it's like life-related. <laughs> that's right. There's something else that's going to pop up in the whack-a-mole game of yeah, life. Yeah, right. And then you – you know, you're going to have to learn how to cope in some way. Yeah. Um, and some, like, if you've had an eating disorder, your brain has neural pathways. So, like, it may come up and that's okay. That's okay. You're going to work yourself out of it. Yeah. Thank you, Meg. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.